All right. Well, someone greeted me in the hall and said, well, hello, stranger. And uh, I, I have missed three of the last four Sundays. I don't know if you've been keeping score. Uh, two in Africa. And last week, we had a great privilege to go back to North Carolina, the church that we pastored up there for about a decade. Uh, they celebrated their 100th anniversary. And uh, we had multiple campuses there. This was our first time back to the central campus. And it was just, it was really special for us to see people we haven't seen in years. We uh, actually stayed there at almost 2 o'clock in the afternoon just talking to people and hugging on them. And it was a great privilege. And we, uh, we missed you, but I hope you understand that we were able to renew some old friendships and see how God had worked, see a lot of kids that had grown up in the process. You know, Johnny and I sat down and we, we assigned words to, and text actually, to uh, through the calendar as we preached through this series called Make Room. I had one for today that uh, I just could not get through it. I just could not bring it to the place that I felt like I could lead you to worship in the scripture. And so I changed words on you, all right? And today we're making room, not through suffering, that may or may not come soon, but we're making room through gratitude. What does it mean to be a thankful people? What does it mean to know thanksgiving in our heart, and do we make room for that? Now, parents train little children, and they, they train them early to say certain things. I've noticed that even before a child can talk, some parents teach them to say please and thank you, right? And we had a grandson that his, his parents were teaching him, and he, when he would sit and eat and he'd want more, he'd just beat his chest to death. You know, please, 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 you know. Uh, uh, but even before the words can come out of the mouth, trying to teach the attitude of saying please and thank you. I don't know if you noticed, but we, we say thank you a lot of times when we, we don't really mean it. You know, I mean, it's, it's just being courteous. You know, you're, you're at a place where you just gave somebody a whole bunch of money, you know, and they hand it to you and you say thank you. It's like you really ought to say, you ought to be thanking me for buying this, right? But you say thank you. So there's a, there's a sense of building that into our culture. I, I thought about, you know, what else do parents teach their children? Some teach them to say uh, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and no, um, no sir, and no, ma'am. Uh, when we were in Northern Virginia planting a church, one mom got a call to go into a parent-teacher conference. And when she got in there, the teacher said, I, you just got to do something about your son because he just, he's constantly sassing me. And she said, what do you mean? said, every time I say something to him, he says, yes, ma'am. And she looked. She said, and that's, don't say ma'am to me. She said, do you realize how, I mean, we're from Texas. Come on, you know, do you realize how much we've tried to teach this kid to say sir and ma'am? And my husband's in the military, so give us a break. He's not being a smart aleck, all right? He's trying to show respect. So think about what we teach our children and think about God. Does he want us to say please and thank you? Like, what do you say to kids? Like, What's the magic word, right? So is there something with God where he says, okay, say the magic word, please, and I'll give it to you. 
And how does he take our flippant, well, thank you. One guy told a story. He said, so you got a little kid sitting there on Christmas morning, and he really wants a certain electronic toy, and he's sitting there, and his, he opens his first present, and it's underwear, you know. So, I mean, he's, he's really excited. And then he opens another present, and it's, and it's matching pajamas with his sisters. Like, what's going on here? And then finally he gets the little toy, and it's, he's so thrilled. And he's, thank you. I mean, it's coming from his heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, did that kid have a heart change? Well, maybe not. He may go out in the yard and start talking to his neighbor, and his, his neighbor got a, a lesser model, an inferior model. He said, well, my toy's better than your toy. I mean, you know, it didn't really change that much, but how does this work with God? Where we tell him, thank you, and what's it supposed to do in our lives? This morning, I want to try to build around that and just, just focus on three words. And I, and I want you to see how these words are not just some magic words that we say to God, but how in our worship, gratitude and thanksgiving is supposed to make a difference. You see, if this morning we come in here and we say thank you and it's just the moving of our lips and there's no moving in our heart, it reminds me of what Jesus said when he looked at all the religious people of his day and he said, Isaiah said it right about you. This people draw nigh to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, coming in here and saying the words thank you to God, if it's just the moving of our lips and there's no moving in our hearts, We've not yet understood the power of thanksgiving. This morning, I want to ask you, as we make room in our hearts, I want to ask you, are you willing, in these few minutes that we share around God's word, to open up your life to him and say, God, I want you to show me how a grateful heart could change things. And I want to make room in my life for you to show me the place of gratitude. We're going to focus around three words. The first word is how gratitude impacts our, our faith. And don't start measuring about one-third time, okay, because it won't necessarily go like that. The second word will be how we fight with gratitude and then how gratitude becomes our focus. So let's look at Psalm 100. Johnny read it for you a few moments ago. I thought about this because when we pray, we pray for you and we pray regularly through the list of people attending. And as we pray for you, sometimes I find myself thinking, you know, I, I don't really know their story. I don't know if they grew up going to church. I don't know if, if when I preach to them, these are just common things. I mean, Psalm 100 is a, when I was a little boy, I mean, it was a psalm that you tried to get the kids to memorize all of it. It's pretty short and, and you can memorize it. But when you work through making a joyful noise to the Lord and you get down here to verses 4 and 5, I want you to see what, as we make room for thanksgiving, look at what it says. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Thanksgiving, acknowledging who he is and what he's done. Praise, acknowledging the impact of his infinite, magnificent character. Give thanks to him and it even explains a little bit about how you do it. You bless his name because you know he's good. 
Now, some of you I know may be carving out right now saying, so you're going to tell me I got to be thankful for this circumstance and I got to be thankful for this problem. That's not where we're going here, okay? But you're going to have to decide how thanksgiving and the goodness of the Lord impacts your life as you make room for that in your heart. So let's just pray a simple prayer together as we gather up to God's word. So just bow your heads for just a moment. Would you be willing to say, Lord, I want to make room in my life for thanksgiving. I want an attitude of being grateful to have a place in my life so that it helps me see who you are and how to walk with you. Lord, I lay down my circumstances that I don't like. I lay down the problems that I can't fix. And I ask you to teach me about worship when I make room for gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's talk about the place of gratefulness in our faith. Thanksgiving is the rightful acknowledgement, we see it here, of who God is. He's good. And what he has done, he has poured out his loving kindness and his faithfulness to every generation. Remember what we've often said about worship. I hope we say it often enough that it really, it could almost be a, a good definition for you. Worship is our seeing God for who he is and then seeing ourselves for who we are in light of who he is and then appropriately responding to him. That's worship. It may be in a song, it may be in giving, it may be in repenting, it may be in asking for forgiveness, but we're seeing God for who he is, and we're seeing ourselves for who we are in light of who he is, and we're appropriately responding to him. So this whole idea of gratitude, seeing God for who he is, in the scripture we see that thanksgiving is at the center of how we approach God. If you're talking about approaching God and what should we have in our hearts when we approach him? Fear, yes. Reverence, yes. Overwhelmed by how different he is from us, yes. But in that process, thanksgiving becomes the center. In the Old Testament, over 70 times, you see this idea of thanksgiving. If you want to just deal with the concept, it's over 100 times. Thanksgiving of how we approach God and we acknowledge who he is. It calls for a response in our lives. In the New Testament, again, over 70 times, thanksgiving is the work of God's grace in our hearts. Now, I don't know why so few people have pointed this out. I, I almost felt like I was being, you know, I had a seminary professor who says, if you ever think of something, you can't find somebody else that's thought of it before you, is probably wrong, you know. I mean, because you, you, you're not going to be the first person to ever find that in the Bible. So I often, when I have some idea that I go, wow, that's just got to be right. I want to find somebody out there that I trust as a scholar that will, that will agree with me. Well, I found one. So, so here's, a, here's a way to understand a comparison between the work of God's grace and thanksgiving in our life. And it comes with understanding, I hate to do this to you, but I want you to hear at least two Greek words, all right? One is the word charis. We named our daughter Carissa. I wish I could tell you because we knew that it was the Greek word for grace, but we didn't. 
I think we finally figured it out before she was born, but it was my wife's grandmother's name, Carissa. But recognizing that it was built on grace, the word charis is the Greek word grace. But the word thanksgiving is eucharistis. And for those of you that have participated at all in any type of liturgical church, you've heard the Lord's table referred to as the Eucharist. Why? Because it is the giving of thanks to the Lord for who he is and for what he's done. But this whole idea of grace and thanksgiving is a phenomenal cycle of the work of God in our lives. Let let me kind of show you how it works. Uh, The best thing I think we can do would be to look at Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17, and and look in the New Testament as to what what it says about how God moves in our hearts by grace, how he convinces us of who we are in light of who he is, and how we respond to him in brokenness and confession and rejoicing in thanksgiving. This attitude of God's grace working in our life becomes an action of God working through our lives with a spirit and an attitude of thanksgiving. Here it is in Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. By the way, I I can't look at that text without thinking about that the peace of Christ rule is the word where we get our word for umpire. All right, let me give you a little hint. If you watch the Braves game this afternoon, I could say by the grace of God they'll win. You know, I just, I just, I hope they win, okay? But if you watch the Braves game today, you're going to see probably more umpires on the field than usual because it's a playoff game. And they'll have some out in the outfield on lines that they might not have. I think they had one or two more in these kind of games to get it right. Camera angles from everywhere. But when the ball is hit and the umpire standing there right behind first base, if the, if the ball is fair, what does he say? He says nothing. He just indicates that it's fair. Now, if the ball is foul, he points and he yells and he screams so that everybody gets it. I think that's kind of interesting to me. Because there are times at the peace of God, we don't, we don't hear anything, but we don't hear foul, all right? We, we don't hear watch out. We don't hear any type of grieving. We just hear we're walking with him. But oh, is he quick to shout foul in our life when we step out of bounds and we find ourselves. But that's a different sermon. Okay, here on this one, right? Let the peace of God rule, referee, umpire in your hearts. Why? Because you were called to one body and be thankful Eucharistos. The work of grace in your life moving you to thankfulness. And it goes on. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness, chorus, in your heart. Please, just, just look for a minute. See if I can help you. I'm a visual learner. I I see how things relate to each other. Here's how it works. God works on our hearts through grace. 
calling us to see who he is and who we are in light of who he is. And as he moves in our hearts through grace, it works through us in an expression of thanksgiving back to him. That's why in all of our activities and in all of our life, it ought to be the choice of God's grace working in and through us. So now we see that if we're going to understand how thanksgiving impacts our faith, we come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and as the hymn writer said, we give him the glory, great things he has done. Now we see how thanksgiving works in our faith. Let me apply it two more ways of how thanksgiving works. First, let's apply it in our fight. We all fight. We fight feelings. We fight discouragement. We fight temptation. We all fight. Don't think that you're some kind of special, unusual person when trials and tribulations come upon you. Don't think that when you get hit with fiery darts, you're the first person to ever be hit that way. Do you know why it's called the fiery dart? Because it sticks and then it spreads. And when we have those accusations, those whispers, those temptations, and they come to us and against us, how do we fight the evil one? We fight with thanksgiving. All of a sudden, you turn the defense into an offensive action. And you are no longer just trying to stand back and defend your poor little self. But in the power of God's grace working in and through you, through thanksgiving, you enter the fight. Now, where do I get that? Well, I could, I could show you a lot of places. But let me just point out to you in that book of Colossians. It's not going to be on the screen. But it's in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 when he says, Continue steadfastly in prayer and be watchful in it with thanksgiving those are fighting words steadfastness hold your ground watchful be on the alert and i would say to you listen i'm going to do a little play on words here with you all right so please please listen at this point thanksgiving is the magic word I'm not trying to sound excessively experiential here, but I am trying to get you to experience the truth of God's working in you. Moving to the posture of thanksgiving helps you in the encounter with discouragement, despondency, temptation, anger. It changes everything I encourage you to make room in your life for thanksgiving and watch how God will empower you in the fight as you move to expressions of gratitude and you put yourself back on the offensive and the defensive which naturally leads me to the last thing 
I know you think I'm confused because you look at your watch. He couldn't be through. Well, I'm, I'm close, really. Stay with me. In making room for Thanksgiving, it's just logical that what I just said about fighting shows you how Thanksgiving changes your focus. You know, when you teach on temptation, you say something sitting before you and you go, I'm not going to drink it, I'm not going to drink it, I'm not going to drink it. I mean, you're going to drink it, you know? I mean, there it is. You just focused on it like that. But learning to change the focus changes the playing field. And thanksgiving and gratitude does that. When you get the right words to come out of your mouth, when you take time to send that encouraging text, you've heard me joke about it often, but when I get discouraged, I, reach, I start encouraging five people as fast as I can. And my friends that know that, when, when I encourage them, they write back, are you okay? <laughs> you, you know, because they know I was just trying to change the playing field to move into thanksgiving, encouragement. When we moved to Northern Virginia, there was one old guy. He's probably my age, but he looked old to me then, all right? There was this one old guy. He was a business owner, and uh, God had really blessed him in his work. And we would go out to eat, and everywhere he went, somebody would say, so how are you doing? He always responded, better than I deserve. Some of you may have put that into your vocabulary, but Floyd Harris, that's all he ever said. Better than I deserve. And people would turn and look at him and often say, well, I'm sure that's not true. He said, oh, let me tell you why it's true. And but he would witness to them in a minute. Boom. You know, he'd tell them quick. No, you know, I was just this little boy and I'm down on the farm and, and God raised me up and gave me a personal relationship with him and put me in a business where I can meet a lot of people and tell them how good God's been to me. And I'm just standing back saying, go for it, Floyd, you know. But he knew how to change the focus to Thanksgiving. I watched it just this last week. I was talking with someone that I had not seen in a long time. And before I knew it, there was a sense of talking about someone. And it, it felt like we were getting to a place of gossip and I just remembered it's time for me to change the focus. And I said, tell me, friend, how's God been working in your life? And everything changed. I want to challenge you. The scripture talks about vain talk. It talks about coarse jesting. I have a little trouble with that since I'm smart aleck by nature, you know. But, I mean, if you find yourself in a conversation, and you know it is not a God-honoring conversation, you can change the topic by finding a way to give thanks for something that's good. So what about your heart? Is there room there for gratitude? Do you see how the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. And his goodness goes from generation to generation. This morning I want to invite you to 
set aside all those circumstances and all those complexities that are bothering you and those things that you don't know how to fix. And I want to tell you one thing that you can fix. You can make room in your heart for gratefulness. Grateful for what? We're going to look at it when we come by this table and realize that his body was broken for me. His blood was shed for me. He didn't wait until I got good enough to seek him out. He sought me out when I didn't deserve it. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the ungodly. And it shouldn't just happen on Sunday with the, quote, Eucharist. It should be a constant flow. When the scripture says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And we find ourselves needing to fight or change the focus to put ourselves in the posture of saying, oh, Lord, you've been so good to me. I thought seriously about passing out a card and making you go through your concentric circles, you know. What, what about your spouse? Okay, if it's bad, can you say, God, thank you for what you're teaching me in a bad relationship? But if it's good, can you say, God, I can't believe how kind you were to put this person in my life. What about your children? Well, if it's bad, you can say, God, thank you for teaching me these struggles as I go through, as you must love me when, when I don't respond, just like my kids, I love them and they're not responding. I mean, whatever that is. Our friends. Maybe you have some great ones and you can thank God for it. Maybe you don't have any friends and you realize that you've got to do something about that yourself instead of waiting for them all to come to you. But I don't know what it takes to make room in your life today, but I will say this. If we will come to the Lord's table just because it's a pattern that Jesus told us to remember him this way, it could sure be a start of you learning how to make room for gratefulness and watching what it does in your life. Let's pray together. Lord, we're coming now to your table. We know that you have given yourself for us. You have gone to the cross and laid down freely to die in our place. And your body was broken and your blood was shed so that we might have a relationship with our eternal father. So, Lord Jesus, we, we worship you. And we know that in that thanksgiving of worship, we can bless your name because your loving kindness is amazing. And you make yourself known from generation to generation. So, Lord, let the transforming power of gratefulness in our hearts Help us stand and fight and help us change the focus wherever we go, whoever we're with, to be a grateful people. In Jesus' name. Would you look this way? In a moment, we're going to 
start coming to the Lord's table, here's how we do it here at Shalford. We ask you to first examine your life. If you know Christ in a personal way, you've responded to him as your Savior, he invites you to his table. You don't have to be a member of our church. You just need to be a member of God's family because you've turned from your sin and put your trust in Jesus. And only you can answer that question. And if you know him, we ask you not to just jump up and run to the table, but take a moment in preparing your heart that you can do whatever you need before you come to agree with him about his place in your life as you make room in your heart for this act of thanksgiving. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, as others come, if you want to come and talk to me, Johnny's in the back, you're welcome to just come and talk to us about a relationship. If there's something you want to pray about before you come to the Lord's table, we, we're ready to pray with you in any way you need. But we won't go row by row. We'll just go when you're ready. I've noticed sometimes people don't know, should I stand here and do this or do I take it back to my seat? You just do whatever you need to do, all right? Just don't put your cup back where somebody gets confused, okay? Just set it over to the side. So bow your heads one more time. Would you prepare your life to come to the Lord's table? Would you begin asking him to show you what you need to make right with him or what do you need in seeing yourself in light of who he is? What do you need to respond to? So Lord, teach us how to worship. Even as we come to your table, even as we sing, would you teach us how to make room in our life to acknowledge your lordship and to respond to whatever you're saying to us in Jesus' name. It might be easier for others to come if you'd stand. If you need to stay seated, that's fine. But everyone could just stand. And then as people are ready, they can come to the Lord's table.